This is In the Word with Malcolm Weber. Knowing God doesn't just mean that you snap your fingers and everything goes well. I wish it did, but it doesn't. Knowing God means you engage with Him deeply in the time of pain. Welcome to In the Word with Malcolm Weber. Even though it looks like God has abandoned you, He has not. He is with you and will carry you through to the end. Dr. Weber opens up Psalm 22 in the first part of his Easter message, The Cross and the Resurrection. Let's please turn to Psalm 22, if you have your Bibles. Who knows what happens in Psalm 22, or what's the significance of Psalm 22? It's a messianic psalm, isn't it? And we know that Jesus quoted this psalm as he hung on the cross. And not only did he make direct quote, but also there are other things in the psalm that point directly to his death on the cross. To me, it's fascinating this particular weekend, Resurrection Weekend, with the world acknowledging the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Quite amazing to me that everyone kind of knows this, you know, at some level, and even some measure of celebration in the world. I mean, it's a holiday. In Australia, it's two days off. You get Friday and Monday off. How about that? Want to move to Australia? (laughs) So it's a big deal in the world. You know, the world knows that something powerful, meaningful, happened, and even some measure of celebration. The sad thing is that the world are not responding to what happened in Jesus' death and resurrection. They know it, but they're not surrendered to it. They know about it, but they don't really see it. And I wonder if there are also some in the church of the Lord Jesus who know at some level about what happened in Jesus' death and Jesus' resurrection, you know, the fact of it. But we haven't necessarily seen it. Here in Psalm 22, we have a beautiful and clear revelation of what happened. And so we're going to read through this psalm and make a few comments here and there. Let's begin in verse one. And let's ask God, to open our eyes, that we will see this. Now here, it's a Psalm of David, and it relates to his life and experience. He's not only prophesying about the Lord Jesus in an abstract, detached way that here's what's gonna come, the Messiah's gonna come and do this, but he's talking about himself also, his experience of his struggle and how he found God in the midst of his struggle. That's the first meaning of the psalm. Second is, of course, it is a spectacular prophecy of the Lord Jesus. Ah, about a thousand years. Amazing. Before Jesus came, David wrote these words, very clear connections with Jesus' death and resurrection. 
And that's the primary power here. But not only that, guess who else this psalm is about? Yeah, it's about you. It's a psalm of David. Massively, it's a psalm of the Messiah. But also, dear friends, it's a psalm about you. It's a psalm about your life. It's a psalm about your experience. It's a psalm about what you're going through right now. And it shows us how to respond. The same way that David responded, the same way that Jesus responded, you are to respond the same way and you'll do well. You won't be crushed by the struggles and the challenges that you're facing right now. So let's look at this from those various angles. First, famous words that Jesus quotes on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? Why are you so far from my cries of anguish? Wow. God, why have you left me? You've abandoned me. It looks like you've abandoned me. As I think about the things that I'm going through right now in my life, it doesn't look like you're with me. The suffering, the pain, the rejection, the shame that Jesus experienced on the cross. It looks like God has abandoned him. Have you felt that at times in your life? Perhaps there are things in your life right now where you're saying much the same thing to God. God, why are you so far from saving me? Hey, I've been serving you. See, that's the meaning of the question. I'm a good guy, Lord. Huh? I've been serving you. I've been walking with you. You should be delivering me. You shouldn't be allowing me to go through this. That's not how it's supposed to work. It's supposed to work. I'm a good guy. Things go well. That's how it's supposed to work, right? But it's not. All these contradictions in my life around me. God, how come? Why? Have you abandoned me? Have you rejected me? My God, I cry out by day, but you don't answer. By night, but I find no rest. Just the same struggles, the same sufferings, the same opposition, the same challenge. I'm crying out to God, Lord, where are you? Come on, change it. Please change it. Change my situation, change my circumstances. But he doesn't. And I cry out to him, God, where are you? So the psalmist starts out with this feeling of rejection. His circumstances, his situation seem to show God has just chucked him. But then, as he's before God, see his heart, all this time, even though he's complaining to God, he's expressing his frustration, his anxiety, his fear, yet he's still looking at God, isn't he? You see that here? He's talking to God. 
He's not just huh, abandoning God and I'm just gonna just go my own way, chase the world. But he's turning to God, he's asking God, he's engaging with God. He's bringing his heart fully, fully engaged with God here. This is how to do it. The knowing God doesn't just mean that you snap your fingers and everything goes well. I wish it did, but it doesn't. Knowing God means you engage with Him deeply in the time of pain, in the time when it seems that He has left you, in the time when it seems that there is no hope. This is here. And He's looking at God, Lord, I cry out to you by day. I cry out to you by night. And then as he's before God, engaging in God, crying out to God, then he remembers, yet Lord, see his heart here, starts out just looking at the situation, he's turning to God and he sees God. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. Wow, you're the one that Israel praises. You're God. Let's keep going on, please. You are enthroned as the Holy One. You're the one Israel praises. In you, our ancestors put their trust. You're exalted King. And not only is he looking at God now, but he starts to think about the past. In the past, my fathers and fathers' fathers and our ancestors, they trusted you down through Israel's history. You know, as David is reflecting on this, and he's recognising all the times where Israel went through really tough stuff, but God delivered them. Looked bad for a while, and God delivered them. Wow. So even in the midst of his struggle, he's getting some hope here. He's turning to God, connecting with God, remembering the past. They trusted you delivered them. To you, they cried out, and they were saved. In you they trusted and they were not put to shame. So even though right now it looks like I am put to shame, and think about the Lord Jesus on the cross as he hung there, rejected by a bunch of wicked, you know, pathetic people, the shame that he experienced, whipped, spat upon, mocked, naked, shame. And yet ultimately he knows, I'm not gonna be put to shame. In the past, you delivered my fathers. They trusted you. They were not put to shame. They cried out to you and they were saved. In you they trusted and they were not disappointed. So do you see how he goes back and forth between the circumstances and then with God, between the abandonment and the shame and the fear, and the desolation and the hope. And so now he goes back to the struggle in verse six. But I am a worm and not a man. His mind, very understandably, you know, <laughs> he's looking at God, but then it's so overwhelming. And so his heart goes back to the circumstance. I'm a worm and not a man. The shame, I'm scorned by everyone, despised by the people. If you think you're going through struggles, <laughs> think about the Lord Jesus. God, pure, perfect, 
infinite creator. Yeah? And yet what he went through on the cross, mocked, despised, beaten, spat upon. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Huh, let the Lord rescue him. You say you're serving God, do you? Huh, come on, explain this, explain that. What's the matter here? What happened there? What a phony you are. You ever heard that little voice in your head? I think you probably have. (laughs) You trusted in the Lord. Well, what's the story, huh? What's the matter? Where is he? Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. You know, it's mocking. Hey, God loves you so much. You think you're so close to God. Well, where's his deliverance? It's mocking. But then his heart in verse nine turns back to God. See the wrestling here. Looks at the circumstance and looks back at God and then looks again and then back at God now. Yet, Lord, you brought me out of the womb. You're the one from the beginning of my life. You have held my life in your hand. You've been with me. Yes, there have been some ups and downs, but you have been with me and you have delivered me. Actually, repeatedly. Yeah, now that we remember it, it's easy to get overwhelmed by the circumstances, isn't it? And you think, oh, it's just hopeless and there's never been any hope. You know, we're tempted with that, aren't we? It's just been nothing but failure and darkness and pain and struggle and trouble, yeah? But yet, come on, think back. You can think of countless times when he was with you, when he delivered you, when he proved his faithfulness to you. Come on! Yeah, so we lift up our hearts. That's what he's doing here. Yet you brought me out of the womb from birth. You've been with me. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. Wow. From the beginning, my life was in your hands. My heart was toward you. I was yours. You're mine from the beginning. From birth, I was cast upon you. You know, this idea of throwing himself upon God. Only God, trusting in God alone from birth. This is where he is now. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. Beautiful. And so, Lord, come on, don't be far from me now. Trouble is near and there's no one to help. According to the circumstances, I'm sunk. There's no one to help. We're done. It's finished. Fini. All over, yeah? That's how it seems. But Lord, from the beginning, you've been with me. From the beginning, I trusted you. And right now, in this situation, in this dark, terribly dark situation that you're in, right now, look at him. Trust him. Tune in next week for the second part of this message the cross and the resurrection.